Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash spoken today. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Welcome to the Poisoner's Cabinet. I'm Sinead. And I'm Nick. And this is your weekly podcast exploring the lives of the great poisoners and macabre murders from across the centuries and creating curious cocktails inspired by the tales that we tell. And it's an episode. Yes, it is. It's an episode. We have no idea what number it is. We always forget what number it is. After 100, it's just paled into It's just another episode. Sea of numbers. But yes, it's 108. Oh, you do know what episode it was. Yes. It was all a jolly jape, was it? All of that? <laughs> yes, it was a ruse. Fill in some extra time. <laughs> Pretty much. This is what this whole episode is. It's me padding about numbers. Ah, 108. How are you, Nick? I'm fine. You're good. You're happy. You're quaffing. You're pre-cocktail cocktail. Well, I'm pre-cocktail cocktail cocktail oh. cocktail. <laughs> You've got a big plan for the night, <laughs> Absolutely. I Absolutely. Yeah, I've got plans. It's going to be exciting. <laughs> Very good. What, what is the pre-cocktail cocktail? It is a Negroni. It has to be. It's generally, uh, generally usually is a Negroni. Gets you in the zone. Yeah, it does. And I should put the pen down that clicks. Yes, as, uh, I'll hear that uh, yeah. through editing. Otherwise I should be murdered halfway through the episode. <laughs> <laughs> With the pen. With the pen, yeah. I read any poisonings this week. Uh, or you, by the sounds of you. Only a slight, slight cold. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, if I laugh really heavily, I will go into a coughing fit. Oh, good. Yes. But Perfect for recording. Absolutely fine. It's no problem whatsoever. If I sound a bit nasal, it's just because everything's congealed. Well, that's a delight. Isn't it? I like to bring it. You also good. brought it to my house, whatever this plague is that you're I carrying. I offered you the option of me recording remotely. I offered the option. You said, no, come over, just so you have someone here to hurl abuse at, apparently. Pretty much. That's how it works. It is. It's how all the good poisoning stories start. I'm, I'm not going to poison anyone this week, apart oh. from, I don't know, the, the, the air <laughs> for infecting me. Right, so you're going to poison the air... I've not thought it through. No, I'd say I don't think you have thought that one through. No, I mean generally these I think sorts this of leads plans. To bigger problems. I'm not the kind of person who can plan out a long plotted revenge no. against the elements. I would admire myself a lot if I did. I'd be the whole time. I'd be like, "Wow, you're really taking this plot against the air seriously." Yeah, good to know. Good to know you you have that commitment behind you. Well, speaking of plotting against the elements and being entirely congealed, I think it's time for us to thank our delicious Patreon subscribers. Oh, yes, indeed. And I hope they are not entirely congealed, because that sounds desperately unpleasant. Well, they're congealed in a nice jelly. No, none of that. No congealing at all for anyone ever. Okay. Not in aspic. <laughs> no, not in, not in anything. It is not a good verb. <laughs> I congeal, you congeal, he, she congeals. <laughs> it's like, no, that's not pleasant. <laughs> Moving on. So anyway, thank you to the very non-congealed Canagabble. I may have pronounced that entirely wrongly. And to Jessie Ann 81 Lovely, lovely, very sexy Patreon subscribers. Indeed. Thank you very much for joining us. Hoping there's lots of exciting things going on over there. You're hoping that there I'm are? I'm hoping there's lots of exciting things. <laughs> there are. Good. Good. I'm glad I'm they're still there. news for you, Nick. There are. <laughs> I'm glad they're still there. It's a wonderful place, Patreon. It's a lovely, lovely place. Do come and join us on the platform. If you haven't already, maybe you've dipped your toe in, maybe you've had a little break, now's a good time to rejoin. It's also available as a gift to your friends, families, and enemies. <laughs> you can. You can. You, you can, can. Absolutely. You can buy an annual subscription. Fling that at someone. Absolutely. Just in the street. Chuck it at them. Yes. Listen to this. It's Aww. awesome. Like like giving out free hugs, but obviously paid for. <laughs> and not a hug. And odd. Do that. If we no, I think this nothing. is another example of Sinead's not really thinking things far ahead. <laughs> As I said, if I started a cult, it would be very fly by night. Well, Nick, are you ready? Mm-hmm. 
to drink cocktails and talk of poison. Talk of poison. Mm, I should mix it up. Mm. So mm. we're saying, well, I'm intrigued. You've mixed that one up on one of the alternatives. Or we could drink of poison <laughs> and speak verily of the cocktail. <laughs> that sounds so fun. Well, which one do you want? I don't know anymore. Should we go with the first one? Let, oh, yeah, if that was a good one, then okay, let's do that. Uh, that involves more living. So <laughs> let's go with the first one. Hooray, hooray, hooray. It is Nick's story this week. Mm. And, but of course, we can't, we can't, we can't possibly have a story without a cocktail in hand. As you know, dear listeners, every week we choose a secret ingredient that is inspired by the tale that we will tell. And it will flavor our cocktail of the week. So with Nick's story, he gets to choose the secret ingredient. Mm. And the secret ingredient is, Nick? It's a lovely little snake. It's a lovely little snake. It's a little slithery snake. <laughs> Every time there's an animal theme, you always go, it's a lovely, oh, little, lovely, little, lovely, little, 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 lovely, little, little, little poisonous snake. <laughs> I must say, choosing the picture for the secret ingredient post on social media today was a joy. Because there are many, many good snake pictures out there. I was particularly pleased with the one I chose. Oh, I could have used the picture of you covered in snakes. Oh, you could have. No, that one massive, snake. Well, it was a massive fucking massive anaconda type thing. It wasn't an anaconda, Nick, mm. in the streets of Canterbury. 20 foot long. <laughs> Eyes the size of saucers. <laughs> that they were. No, as we've said before, there was a day where I... Uh, the tropical animal shop? Tropical yes. pet? It was a tropical shop. It was a tropical shop. And there were animals in it. <laughs> Uh, but they were out on the street having a bit of a, an open day, and uh, I marched straight over there. Did give me that snake? Yeah, and had a boa constrictor put around me. And the boa constrictor did not want to let go <laughs> to the point where <laughs> well, the guy was scared. That's generally what they don't. Yeah, <laughs> it was great. Love a snake. I love a snake. Mm. Absolutely love them. I think they're gorgeous. I would own one if it was in any way nice to do so. They're, they're huge. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> less strokeable as well, I feel. Being stroked, really? They're cold blooded, so they want to nestle down and be warm with you. And you give them a little stroke, they love it. No, none of that. No, then they eat you. <laughs> yeah, they definitely do that. Yeah, Eventually, so they will eat you at night. That, yeah, that's that's less tempting, I have to say. You're not a fan of a snake, are you? No, I'm not frightened of snakes. I mean, if I saw one, I would go. I wouldn't like to go near it, but I don't run away from. Them. I won't run away. But I don't particularly want to have them in my house. Okay. If there was one here now, I would be alarmed. Well, I'm glad we've covered that. Look, if you're going to put an animal as a secret ingredient, we're going to have a chat about it. Because as you know, I will have feelings. So many feelings. There are some snake liqueurs. There are drinks there, there involving are, there snakes. Are, there are various various drinks with snake wine. Yes. All those sorts of things. What's snake wine? Snake wine is a wine with snakes in it. Is it just like a Merlot? It's just got a no, it's, no, it's, it. it's not. It's not wine. Wine. It's just like a spirit, like a vodka, pretty much, oh. um, in a bottle which you put a snake in, and it sort of flavors. Supposedly, like flavors the spirit in a snaky way. Is the snake alive? No, not at the time. Right. Okay. No, not a dead, dead snake. I think relatively freshly dead snake, not like roadkill snake. Um, no, that would be weird. That would be weird, yeah. apparently, yes, no. <laughs> my dad bought me, because he used to travel a lot for work and things, um, and he once bought me and my brother back a bottle with a cobra in it. It was literally still a snake wine. It was a cobra in a bottle of alcohol. How big was the bottle? No, just a normal, like, 70, well, like a litre-sized thing. And it had a fucking cobra in it. Oh, my. How did he get that through customs? God knows. <laughs> I think nothing to declare. No, nothing to declare at all. <laughs> Just me and my nine yeah. bottles of Cobra yeah. wine. What did you do with it? Did you drink I think it? it? Oh, God, no. I think we were, we, we were relatively young at the time. I think probably around about... What? Well, it's sort of like 15, 16 sort of thing. That's not what you want to have your first drink on. So, yeah, so I don't think... I, I have no idea what actually happened to it. It definitely didn't get drunk. I think it ended up going in a skip or something after after about three years of sitting on the shelf <laughs> going, that's fucking weird. Um... <laughs> That's the sort of thing at a house party that would that would be cracked open, wouldn't it? Mm. Let's have the cobra wine. Yeah, it no. carries a terrible curse. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, you you didn't know what happened to it until tonight. No, we're not having the cobra wine. Not no. having the cobra wine. No. Okay. Well, with snake as the inspiration yes. ingredient, what have you come up with? So we're having something slightly different. We're not having that sort of snake infused wine. We're going to have a rattlesnake. A rattlesnake. A rattlesnake. Excellent. Indeed. Oh, deadly. But maybe delicious. Who can say? Wonderful. Well, I think it is high time for us to slither <laughs> into the poisonous cabinet kitchen and shake up a storm. So we'll see you in a minute. We'll see you in a bit. And we're back. Hello. Oh, Nick, a rattlesnake. A rattlesnake. Now, this looks very pretty. Mm. And it's... The way you've done it, I don't know if it's... I, I'm assuming it's intentionally done like that, but we have a really, really lovely kind of amber yellow drink, a foamy head, and it's like in the head you've put 
the snake bite marks in it. Well, see, I did that, and then I hadn't twigged that, and I did something just random squiggly patterns on mine. I had not twigged like the bitiness. I had not. Yeah. I had not considered, but I'm going to say yes. I did that entirely on purpose. <laughs> You'll see it in the cocktail pictures that we share this evening. But yeah, the way Nick has done my one, it does look like to the teeth marks, the fang marks. Fair enough. Let's go with that. Snake. You've done very well, Nick. Well oh, done, you're me. Genius. You absolutely I'm genius. So you. very good. Ooh, what's it going to taste like? Is it going to take snaky and? And rattly and uh, rattly. a poison, a venom. Venom, it tastes venomous. That's yeah, rattlesnakes pretty pretty deadly, aren't they? Pretty yeah. deadly. Okay. It's not as deadly as an anaconda, which just eats you. <laughs> <laughs> These are my very, very tenuous snake excellent, facts here. Excellent snake facts. <laughs> excellent. With, with like John Voight coming up a river. God, that's a good film. It's an excellent film. God, that's a good film. He's so bad in it. <laughs> so it's very pretty. It smells, ooh, it smells aromatic. It smells booze. It smells booze. Excellent. Well, Merry Christmas. Merry Let's Christmas. dive in. Mm-hmm. Mm, mm. That was not what I was expecting. Really? Yeah. Oh, I don't know what you were expecting. <laughs> not that. <laughs> well, it doesn't taste bad. No, it, no, it doesn't. It's very nice, actually, yeah. I thought it was going to be a lot stronger. I thought it was oh. going to be a lot more, lot heavier, a lot boozier than it is. Yeah, it's very citrusy. Nice mouthfeel. Mm. I'm, going to, I'm going to venture that there's some egg white in here, hence <laughs> the foamy head very nice yeah no that's good I, I for something called a rattlesnake i was expecting expecting something sharp and bite, bitey i was expecting something with a lot more punch yeah I think. as yes indeed as was i Which, um, this is very smooth and lovely mm. this is more of a i don't know some sort of silkworm <laughs> <laughs> some sort of cuddly toy <laughs> <laughs> yeah pretty much yeah it's quite pleasant i'll go with that you gonna talk us through well i mean it's basically it's whiskey what it's a lot of whiskey it's rye, rye really? whiskey Yep, in there, with some lemon juice. The recipe calls for a a Muscovado sugar syrup. Now, I didn't have any Muscovado sugar syrup, so Mm. I've used agave, which I thought might have the same sort of notes to it. And then with a bit of an absinthe rinse in the glass. So I thought a combination of rye and absinthe, I thought it's going to blow your head off. But uh, perhaps there's too much agave. I don't know if it's a lot sweeter than a Muscovado, because it certainly has tempered the whole thing right down. Mm. Um, It's perfectly pleasant. It's perfectly pleasant, but it's not the, yeah, it's not the punch that I was anticipating. Yes, agave is quite sweet, but I don't find it much sweeter Mm. than other sugar syrups. And I've used Muscovado sugar syrup. I've made it at home. It's pretty sweet. It's just a little bit more flavours of molasses, which Mm. would, I suppose, match with the whiskey. It's a sweet cocktail. I'm not going, oh my God, it's over the top. But maybe it's the egg white in there. Oh, there is an egg white in there as well. As, As Sinead did say. Uh, there's an egg white, yes, which you get the, the, the lovely foaminess um, is due to a neat well, egg white. If you, if you just had that neat without the egg white. I don't know if that would change the flavour profile so much. I think it is, think it is the combination of the lemon and the sugar are really, really mellowing whiskey, the whole yeah. thing down, the whole thing, whole thing out. Yeah, that's really mm. intriguing. Cause it's, I'd be intrigued to try it with a lot less sugar. Because it's a lovely drink. It mm. really is really nice. And we're nitpicking. It's 108 episodes, so we're going to nitpick <laughs> here. I guess, yeah, we were expecting something sharp and punchy for a rattlesnake. Maybe it's just down to the naming of it. Yeah, potentially. It's a really clever cocktail. Because, again, nice. I would not have said that there was whiskey in there. Mm. The absence as rye, well. It's a rye, rye whiskey. Well, a rye. It's, it's still bloody whiskey. It's still whiskey. It's still, whiskey. It's still it's a whiskey. It's not gin, is it? It's not gin. But with the absinthe rinse mm. as well. That's foxed me. That's no. foxed me. Couldn't have told you what was in that apart from lemon and, and egg white and, and the venom of a snake that well, is not very powerful. Not very powerful at all. Oh my God, is that what being bitten like a rat, by a rattlesnake is like? I, you go into a fuzzy, snuggly, kind of <laughs> lovely, warm place. And then your face melts. Okay, that's not. not what a rattlesnake bite does either. <laughs> You've been watching Raiders of the Lost Ark too much and getting very confused. <laughs> very confused about what's going on there. You've fallen asleep watching one film, woken up with another one and went, oh, that's how snake bites work. Yeah, right. absolutely. <laughs> well... I am very happy to yeah, drink it. No, absolutely. We'll go with that. But we're still going to pick at it all night, aren't we? <laughs> we have become very picky and judgmental. If we'd been what do you mean this, we've become picky and judgmental? <laughs> more so. I didn't think it was possible, Nick. If we had this on week, I don't know, five of this show, we'd have gone, what a triumph, what a lovely thing. We're like, no, the name and the combination of things is not quite right. Do it again. Well, you'll have to mix up more later, and then we'll, we'll experiment. But with our rattlesnakes, cautiously in hand. Cautiously. Cautiously, because we don't quite trust them. And I don't quite <laughs> trust this cocktail, but I'm going to drink it. <laughs> is it time for a story? It most certainly is. Yay! Most certainly is. So I'm going to get right in there, and we're going to reveal the the naming of our cocktail, our secret ingredient, pretty much straight away. 
um, and some of you may well have guessed who we're going to talk about today. Okay. So we are going to have the story of Charles Sabrage, a killer who became known as the Serpent. <gasps> right. Oh, okay. okay. <laughs> so there we go. We're right in there. Okay. Um, now, I'd say that is quite a cool serial killer super game. The serpent. the serpent. It's a good name. He, he was also known as the Bikini Killer, okay. which is which is so much less cool. I did not know that he was called <laughs> yeah. the Bikini Killer. Also, the Bikini. The Serpent was a much later development. Yes. At the time, it was the Bikini Killer, the, which that is, is a B movie. Yeah, absolutely. The Serpent and the Bikini Killer is, is a brilliant <laughs> B movie that I want to watch. Yeah, Bikini Killer. That is. I think there must be a film that's called that. Actually, <laughs> the Bikini Killer. What do you do? I don't know. He killed bikinis, or he, he killed wearing a bikini. He hated bikinis. <laughs> he killed them all. I've heard of your man. Good, because uh, I can't pronounce his surname. <laughs> Sabraj. Sabraj. I've heard of the Serpent. I know there's been a TV show about him recently. Did not watch it, so I really well, don't know the story. Well, so. you're quite right. So I have been planning on doing this story for quite some time. It's been from the very first us talking about it doing this podcast he has been on my list i think it was january 2021 yeah the bbc brought out the series um a tv series called the serpent based on a dramatization of this chap's life Uh then i thought oh you bastards i can't do that now because he's all (laughs) over the place and everyone's gonna know so i put it on the back burner but i thought yeah it's 2022 now yeah everyone's forgotten what that tv series was about so let's do it (laughs) we shall begin at the beginning it's a very good place to start charles was born hotchand bawani gamukka sobraj Okay. This is a real name. From where? Born in in April 1944. He's the illegitimate son of a Vietnamese peasant girl and a very wealthy Indian merchant who was living in Saigon, now Ho Chi Minh City in, in Vietnam. Now, despite promises of wedding bells, soon after his birth, Charles's father abandons his young son and marries an Indian woman, leaving Charles and his mother to fend for themselves. Aww. Now, not long after this, Charles's mother uh, begins a relationship with a French lieutenant um, who is stationed yeah. in Vietnam. And when Charles was four years old, they marry. Um, and they go on to have se- several children of their own between them, who unfortunately certainly receive more attention, more love, especially from their father. Charles is somewhat left out in the, in the cold now after the second world war the french with the help of the brits obviously are trying to re-establish control of all their sort of former colonies that have been liberated or invaded during the war and sort of vietnam was invaded by japan and such yes um, i'm crawling back have you? <laughs> so so yeah so the, the french and the brits try and re-establish their control of these colonies <laughs> the vietnamese go no no don't think so thank you we're fine and there was quite a vicious battle between the sort of communist vietnamese and the french and british forces trying to re-establish colonial control it's mm. not a fun place to be and eventually in 1953 charles's stepfather takes the whole family back to france Aye. it's just a miserable place to live and they witness some horrendous things but even back in europe charles hates his life in in france especially the catholic boarding school in paris where he he's sent to to be pretty much out of sight out of mind he is the only one of sort of a, an Asian descent in this boarding school full of sort of French lads. So everyone is calls him names and they're very mean to him yeah. and no one talks to him. Um, it is not a fun place to be at all. But apparently he is able to pull off an excellent Charlie Chaplin impersonation, which is while he gets the name Charles. What? So while in school, I'm probably doing his best to fit in or something. Um, so he starts impersonating the people he sees on the, the in the films or something of the day. Yeah. So he's able. He and he's say apparently he's quite good at this Charlie Chaplin bit that he yeah. does. Probably a lot of the sort of the French kids as well, not being able to pronounce his his actual name particularly well, struggling with that. Yeah. Go well, Charles, Charles is easier for Charlie, uh, yeah. Charles. Charles is easier for to say. So and Charles sticks. He hates life in France so much that he runs away twice. He goes all the way back to Vietnam to try and connect with his father now this is the time before major air travel is is available so yeah. we're so we're talking sort of like late 50s something like that so it would have been a boat to get back to, <laughs> to vietnam at this point how he afforded it or if he was like if he stowed away on a mm. on a cargo vessel or something but he manages to do this and both times he is sent packing by his father so you're not wanted here back to france to do that twice but he does it he does it try so insane. obviously desperately trying to, to connect with his father he's having a miserable time in, in france the mm. the french lieutenant not interested in whatsoever so he's trying to go and find his real father well, he wants um, to go back to his home and country. he's desperate to get back to his roots eventually after say a couple of these back and forth charles's father agrees that charles can visit for a trial period Mm. to see how he gets on and yes 
I will pay for a ticket. He's a wealthy man. I'll pay for a ticket for Charles to come over, not having to stow away on a cargo ship or something. Money for the tickets never, never arrives. Um, and Charles is distraught and furious about this, what he sees as this sort of betrayal, really. Yeah. And he turns to robbery, car theft, any sort of petty crime in France, primarily to try and get enough money to get a, get, get a ticket together mm. to, to go over, and he ends up in jail. But far from deterring him from a, a life of crime, as, as jail is meant to do, he actually thrives inside, making connections with various criminal gangs who operate throughout the city. How old around this time? So probably around this time, he is going to be mid-teens wow sort of yeah late mid mid late teens i think it's a very sad start isn't it yeah this this desperation to go home i guess and also for daddy to recognize him and you know clearly a man of power and a man of wealth maybe he's not the favorite child at home and the second with his stepfather either yeah absolutely so his father's got a new life with his new wife and and i think new children his mother's got a new life with a stepfather and new children there and he's sort of left going will someone love me well it's not a very nice time or place to be an immigrant really is it not at all and france is just coming out of being after the Uh. second world war so france is as poor as anything as well, Mm. trying to rebuild after that disaster. When he is finally released, he still continues with his goal of trying to reconnect with his father, and he finally gets back to Vietnam. The family reunion is somewhat tense. Charles' father agrees, fine, you can stay for a bit, see how things go. However, when Charles writes off his father's new car... Okay. Um, this does not go down well. He no, takes it, it, it wouldn't. He takes the car without permission and manages to write it off. He is then packed off, but this time to India to live with relatives. His father's an Indian merchant, a businessman. Yeah. He is packed off to live with relatives in India. This also does not particularly go well, and he manages again to find his way across to Vietnam, back to his father. His father is not interested at all. No interest in getting to know his son, and again sends him back to France. So what's this dynamic that he's he's trying to go back and forth? I mean, maybe we'll talk about it later, mm. but it seems quite a cycle of destruction. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah, you'd have thought, because this is, this is about the, like the third fourth time or so he's tried to reconnect with his father why expecting this time to go any different than the others when they have been steadily getting worse and of course it doesn't go any different his father is just not interested and just cannot get through to charles i don't want to see you charles is returned to france and again when he's back there it's petty theft stealing cars and he is locked up twice but after the second stint inside he emerges determined to go straight he said no i'm going to do it i'm over all this nonsense with my father i'm going to sort my life out get on with it he finds a job um he begins a relationship with a woman named Chantel. life on the straight and narrow is proving really really difficult <laughs> and not at all easy this getting a job malarkey this earning your money it's difficult it's it hard. Rather it's, it's rather yes. boring. But whereas before he could just go and steal what he wanted, now it's like, oh, it's really difficult to get going. <laughs> <laughs> Eventually, he falls back into old tricks. He is jailed again, this time for forging checks in his sister's name. Charles is freed when she agrees to drop the charges. Mm. He continues bouncing checks under various acquaintances' names and eventually saves up about 30,000 francs. On the night that he proposed to Chantel, he is arrested yet again for evading a police in a stolen car um, and sent back to prison that is not a good proposal (laughs) it's not a good proposal absolutely darling please will you marry me quickly quickly Quickly. (laughs) gonna need your answer quite soon but Chantel waits for him and the pair are married upon his release although Charles is now always having some scheme underway and he's under constant suspicion from the police who are keeping track of his his every move Charles and Chantel decide they need to get out of France they need to get away fresh start somewhere else the couple travel from France through Eastern Europe using fake documents and robbing people um, who befriended them as as they go and eventually arriving in Bombay, now Mumbai, um, around 1970. This is a long old trek across country. Yeah, that's quite a um, way, They have to yeah. go from France on foot or hitchhiking, mm. getting buses, that sort of stuff, all the way to India. Yeah, they're young, they're travelling, they're robbing people. Absolutely. Eventually they get to India around 1970 and Chantel gives birth to a baby girl. 
Once they sort of slightly get settled in India, Charles resumes his criminal lifestyle, um, car theft, a bit of smuggling every now and again. Oh, okay. He's, he's made some connections on his on his travels through. What's he smuggling? So, well, I don't know what details, to be honest. I don't think it's drugs at this point or anything, okay. although we move into that territory later. At this point, I think it's contraband that they can't get in particular countries. So he's, rattlesnakes. Rattlesnakes. A lot of rattlesnakes in the pockets getting through customs. Other kind of snakes. People <laughs> need snakes. But the profits he gets from these various endeavors um, are mainly used to fund a growing gambling addiction. Yay. In 1973, he is involved in a, a botched armed robbery at a, a hotel jewellery store, which mm-hmm. leads to his arrest and, again, his imprisonment. But this time, he, with his wife's help, he is able to fake an illness. He fakes... Right. <laughs> he, he, he claims to be having incredible stomach pains, stomach cramps and things like that. And doctors actually believe that he has got appendicitis. Yeah. An ambulance is called and he's sent to the local hospital. He has a perfectly good appendix removed. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> and while he's in hospital, he is able to escape. He makes his escape. But he goes through with the operation. Goes through with the operation, apparently. Couldn't he have... Es- what? I'm sure at the time the plan was, I shall escape before they before operate. You- <laughs> um, <laughs> but either he's under such tight guard, they think, well, afterwards we can let the guard down a bit because he's drugged up and stuff like that. He's he's in no state to run anyway. He was acting um, too well. The doctor was like, no, we must operate immediately. No, give, give me 20 minutes. <laughs> Just let me lie down in this darkened room in here. No, 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 let no, me, no. Out it comes. Yeah. So he's crawling out of the hospital. Yeah, let me lie near this open window. I'll be fine. <laughs> I need a fresh air. Fresh air. That's <laughs> what I need. Fresh air and a walk on the beach. Yeah. I mean, they are captured pretty quickly say so he's not, not a surprise he's, he's probably bleeding yeah out. exactly they, they follow the broad around the corner and there he is um so he's not able to get far and this time he actually resorts to begging his father for money to bail him out his father is not happy but does agree and sends this money um to to sort him out and once he is out they flee india this time for afghanistan now in Kabul, the couple resume their habit of robbing tourists. Now these tourists are following the the hippie trail, the overland route from between Europe and India. Mm. So it runs through Turkey, Iran, Afghanistan, Pakistan, Nepal, India. So it's a long and a lot, a lot of people yes. made this travel sort of in the in the sixties, seventies. Yes, to re- reconnect with their sort of the Eastern mysticism of the time oh, and yeah, such yeah. like. These were prime targets for for Charles's schemes. Um, he is caught yet again robbing tourists or, or conning them out of their money, but he yet again escapes with the help of his wife, again faking an illness. What illness he decides to do on this time, um, I'm not sure, but he's able to use this ploy once more um, to escape, potentially. <laughs> it's really itchy. It's I need really <laughs> This time, though, Chantal has actually had enough. They I'm have not surprised. A, they, have, they, also, they, have, they have a young daughter in yes. tow yeah. um, as well, and they cannot be constantly on the run thieving their way around the world it's not the way to bring up a young family Chantal ends up returning to France with their child and vows never to see Charles again Mm. now freshly escaped and with only himself to look after um, Charles leaves Afghanistan and flees to Iran Charles spends the next two years pretty much on the run stealing passports as he needed traveling throughout Eastern Europe and the Middle East always making local connections with the various criminal gangs of the cities and countries he passes Mm. through, delving deeper and deeper into a very murky world of drug trafficking Mm. as he goes. He ends up in Istanbul and is joined by one of his younger brothers, um, Andre, who quickly becomes a pawn in many of Charles's schemes. Now, Andre is out there trying to reconnect with his older brother, oh, very God. much looks up to his older brother. <laughs> oh, you imagine him just turning up, bright-eyed, yeah. backpack and baseball cap on his thing. Yeah. Hey, big brother, I'm here to reconnect. Show me the sights. I will definitely yeah, show you the sights. Exactly. Hold all of this stuff for me. <laughs> and if anyone asks, it's just a packet of cake. Absolutely fine i'm taking this from my yeah. brother he trusts me so well oh dear god yeah so this is one of his stepbrothers from mm. france so charles does not look fondly on these these relations but came out to but, 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 but andre is out there trying to reconnect with his brother no don't do that andre you're a fool <laughs> the brothers are indeed eventually arrested in athens um after one of their schemes goes awry mm-hmm. charles escape um yet again using his patented feigning illness ploy mm-hmm. but his brother is is apparently not in on that particular plan oh. um, and charles abandons andre to serve an 18-year <gasps> prison sentence in greece oh my god so now on the run yet again charles uh, financed his lifestyle by either posing as a as a gem dealer sometimes mm. or as a drug dealer depending on the company he was in 
posing as posing right? as well okay, he yeah. he pretty much was a drug dealer i'm not sure whether gem dealer probably for the slightly higher sort of people who aren't interested in your drugs people who are looking for, looking for something a bit more fancy i'm a, I'm, a, I'm a i'm a rare stones dealer as you walk down the street you know you're always looking for different people <laughs> on the different corner drugs no i want something different you want some gems you want some gems you want some gems over there there's someone just selling money no that's an atm we're confused <laughs> but it seems to work on the different sort of different types of people he's he's after and he befriends many of these travelers and strikes when they let their guard down either robbing them blind mm conning them out of their out of mainly out of cash in thailand he meets marie andre leclerc from quebec now she is one of these many tourists looking for adventure in the middle east um, and is quickly enamored with charles and his life of adventure his ability to get drugs very easily um, <laughs> always <laughs> a plus i'm sure this this helps but she becomes entirely devoted to charles mm. um free frequently turns a blind eye to his crimes and his various affairs with with any woman who comes along really but she is more and more besotted with charles charles starts to build up a a bit of a loyal group of followers around him he would help people out of difficult situations so that they became almost indebted to him Hmm. really more than willing to repay the various kindnesses the various favors that he had used to help them out what they didn't know is that charles was the one who had organized their misfortune in the first place in one case he helped two former french policemen named yannick and jacques to nice. re- recover their passports that in fact he himself had stolen charles yeah. had stolen them and then he yes i'll help you with all my connections and everything we'll go to the police we'll find your passports and then here oh here are your passports Brilliant. and they are delighted and will do anything to help yeah, him debted to you Absolutely. and they're reliant on you <laughs> precisely um in another scheme he provides shelter and comfort to another frenchman um dominique renault who's near death from dysentery but was actually the result of poison charles had given him and Charles nursed him back to health. Oh, and of course, kind. of course, Dominique is entirely beholden to Charles and so grateful mm. that he came across this guardian angel on his travels who was able mm. to able to help him. Around the same sort of time, he's also joined by a young Indian chap, um, A.J. Chowdhury. Now, he himself has got a bit of a sketchy reputation. He's a bit of a con man, a bit of a petty thief, and he becomes sort of Charles's lieutenant, really, mm. sort of second in command. Charles seems determined to build almost a, a criminal family a bit of a, a around him um, i think he was aiming for sort of like, almost like a manson style yeah following yeah um, around him he, he very much believed that he was a cult leader in the making he was gonna be one of the big names hey i'm ryan reynolds recently i asked mint mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation they said yes and then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass!" So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash spoken today. Yeah. In 1975, Charles and A.J. Chowdhury commit their first their first known murder. Several of their victims, it seems, had spent some time with Charles's developing cult before their deaths, and it is more than likely that they had been potential recruits, people who had mm. been who had come to Charles for some sort of aid or something. But they end up turning against Charles. Mm. They they seem to see through his facade that he puts up, yeah. this benevolent man, um, and they threaten to go to the authorities and expose his schemes. And obviously, he cannot allow this. No, that's. Um, there's there's never a good thing if you if you <laughs> come across some sort of benevolent leader who has lots of followers and then you find out they're not doing nice things don't confront them with yeah. it and say i'm going to go to the police because it's not going to end well now the first victim seems to be a woman for a young woman from seattle um, Teresa teresa knowlton she originally had been 
is again enamored with Charles, but had become slightly disenfranchised, mainly by him shagging everyone else he could find, um, which is generally not good. And the sort of witnessing some of the slightly more weird drug-related mm. activities he's up to. So she wants out, really. One day, Charles very kindly offers, okay, fine, I will take you to the nearest city, the nearest city of Pattaya in Thailand. I will take you there, mm. and then you can go on your own way. Her strangled and burned body was found by police on the outskirts of the city. Oh. Now, soon after, uh, Jenny Bolivar, another American tourist, was found drowned in a tidal pool in the Gulf of Thailand wearing a flowered bikini. Now, at first, the death was assumed to be some horrific accident just gone mm. wrong. She had just had too much drink fallen off a cliff or whatever mm. uh, and had drowned but later the autopsy and forensic evidence revealed she had indeed been poisoned been left in the pool to dis- disguise it mm. it was the flowery bikini that jenny and several of his other victims later were, fa- were found in that earned charles the nickname the bikini killer just putting bikinis on the victims to make it look like they've been out swimming. exactly they've been out they're swimming tourists they don't know what they're doing foolish people precisely Oh, ooh, that's, that's, exa- that's exactly ooh. that's exactly what is thought. But when they would talk to friends and things, they well, no, she never, she didn't own anything like that. They are dressed up like this to Stage. disguise the disguise the the crime. For Charles, murder seems to get easier and easier and easier. His next victim um, is Vitaly Hakim, um, a Turkish drug dealer who foolishly decides to try and compete with Charles, try and muscle in in some of ooh. Charles's territory. He is beaten, his neck is broken, he's wow. doused in gasoline and set alight. Well, he, well, that'll do it. That'll do it. I mean, absolutely. That's that's going to sort it out. Next to Dutch student, um, Henk Bittanger, who's 29, and his, and his fiancée, Cornelia Hemker, 25. They are invited to Thailand after meeting Charles in Hong Kong. So he gets he travels around an awful yeah. lot. Not long after they arrive, the couple fall horribly ill. Horribly ill. Charles insists that they stay with him. They know no one else yeah. in Thailand at all. So they are incredibly grateful to Charles that, that he would be willing to give up his time and look after them. Mm. He slowly nurtures them back to health, making them more and more dependent on his support. Now, while they are convalescing, Charles gets an unexpected visitor, Charmaine Carew. Now, she is the girlfriend of the Turkish drug dealer, Vitali Hakim, who had been killed and set alight some some time back she is after she is on the hunt for her boyfriend the last piece of information they have he was going to be meeting with charles that he he had connected with charles so has charles seen him at all what's going on charles starts to get slightly nervous at this he didn't realize that people had been able to track him down Mm. he thought he was pretty much off the grid no one knew where he was but obviously this woman has been able to find me anyone else could find me and he doesn't like that it is time to move on there's no social media at the Mm. time there's no internet everyone's just probably not going to be traceable but that's stupid as well if you kill someone <laughs> someone's going to come and look for you yeah <laughs> the bodies of henk britanger no. and cornelia hemker were discovered strangled and burnt on the 16th of december Jesus. 1975 a few a few days later charmaine carew's body is found floating in a pool wearing a flowery bikini now, Charles uh, Marie Leclerc, the Canadian woman who is still very much with her, travel to Nepal using the passports they have stolen from Henk and Cornelia. Mm. So they have stolen their identities and they're now in Nepal. There, he robbed, drugged and strangled and burnt tourists um, Laurent Carrier and Connie Brosnick. Okay, just off the plane. Uh, off the plane, yeah, yeah absolutely. Just, just some stuff around there. customs. Yep. Just, no. Well, they know that Henk and Cornelia are going to be discovered in time and their yes. body the dutch tourists and they, they have got their passport identities. they need they need new identities they can't continue using these passports because oh these are now dead people they need new ids the other way to get new ids is to steal them off someone and those people need to be shut up <laughs> it seems so obvious but you know not we're in the digital age now you have a digital fingerprint you have a digital Absolutely. trace back then it was just like no we'll just we'll just steal someone's passport yeah. and if anyone asks questions we'll kill them yeah. and we can just be that person absolutely because now <laughs> that happens now instantly across the world that person is registered as passports are cancelled and it happens mm. at, it, instantly across they the across the globe you're tracked yeah. and, and everything you back back found. then when everything is just literally a bit of paper that you've yeah. got you look a little um, bit like them. <laughs> you look a little bit like them or something that you can get away with it yeah. um and it takes a long time for information to to travel around the place mm. charles and marie slip out of nepal after after he is interviewed as a possible witness about the murders of cornelia and laurent thankfully the, the police do not keep him. He's able to spin a good enough yarn. Yeah. Yes, he, he he met them in a bar. He met them somewhere. Doesn't know anything that happened. The police go, okay, if you think of anything, then come and let us know. Mm. They 
head to the port. They are out of there using the passport of the two dead tourists. Did the police not think to search them? Well, I don't think they have. have a I don't think they have the passports with them. They're probably no. stashed away somewhere <laughs> yeah. or something like that. They're not. They're not being brought they're into the police station. Them and yeah. themselves with them. <laughs> Indeed, the pair return to Thailand. All is not well in Thailand. But when he gets back, he discovers that three of his followers there have started to suspect him. Started to think things are not right here. Mm. They had found documents belonging to several of the murder victims amongst Charles's things. They initially refused to believe that Charles would have anything to do with the deaths of their these old followers, these old friends. But how would he have got all these papers otherwise? Yeah. How would he be, he be in possession of all these documents? The three men go to the authorities in Thailand with their suspicions and then return to France to escape retribution from Ooh. Charles. Learning of this betrayal and that the Thai police are very interested in having a conversation with him, um, he manages to keep his head down until he is able to arrange passage to Calcutta. Um, there he murders Israeli scholar Avoni Jacob for again for his passport using it to move to Singapore then rather boldly he returns to Bangkok after this now this is March 1976 so he's been jumping all over the bloody place but he's now in Bangkok and the police are still very keen to speak to Charles in connection to these sort of unsolved murders so why has he gone back well this is the question we do not know we don't really know why he, he thinks he can get away with it he's why in a different he... part of the country yeah. um, so he thinks well they're not going to still be looking for me, surely. Why did uh, he keep going back to Daddy the first few times? This is very true. Yeah, so absolutely. So yeah. he he's gone back, but the police are very much still interested to to speak to him, and they yes. are able to track him down and bring him in for questioning. But then they let him off the hook, and he goes free. It is later. The police are rubbish. Okay, the police are they're as bad as Victorian doctors at this stage. You, they're like, we need to talk to you. You uh, just wait. <laughs> oh, for God's sake! It is later revealed that the police had received instruction from higher up the chain to keep the news of these murders very low key. They were all individual murders. They weren't connected. Don't you dare say serial killer. They fear the negative publicity is going to affect the tourism for thailand right it's a few isolated incidents mm. of tourists getting into fights getting into trouble and ending up dead we do not say serial killer because <laughs> it is going to terrify people and thailand's economy relies on tourism and i do understand that to a point to a point to, to a tiny tiny point of no we must not affect the tourism trade it is one of the their biggest uh, sources of income how is that but. any any more reassuring just just people die in thailand don't worry you come in any fucker might have you it's all right you could die you could be found murdered anywhere if it's one guy if it's one guy you can probably keep your eye out a little bit i know it's a serial killer if they're operating in that area it's just better than just saying people are just being killed in our country that mm, they're short-sighted and i don't like it <laughs> and also the fucking serial killer they just let go yeah yes can't have that i tainted on the country <laughs> now <gasps> fortunately there is someone who agrees with you um a dutch diplomat good um, i love Herm the dutch herman knippenberg um <laughs> he name. is investigating the murder of the two dutch backpackers and herman suspects charles um he thinks he is responsible for their deaths he's completely unaware of the other connected cases at this point he's focusing on the two dutch people but he starts to build a bit of a case against him doing some, mm. some sort of armchair sleuthing really the police actually give him permission to conduct a search of charles's apartment charles has been out of the country don't know when yeah. he's coming back so yes the police say yes okay go and have a look he finds passports and documents in a variety of names along with medicines that turn out to be laced with poison yeah. but charles has fled the country no one knows where he is charles marie and chowdhury were in fact living it up in malaysia Oh, no, uh, this Malaysia time. is lovely. Malaysia is a lovely place, perhaps on one of the lovely islands. They're having a jolly old time. There, Charles and Chowdhury, they steal a shipment of precious stones, um, some that are destined to a wealthy client in Singapore. After the theft, Chowdhury was never seen again. And his body hasn't, to this day, never, never been, been found. found. It is believed, well, exactly, it is believed that Charles murders his former accomplice before, this time heading to Geneva switzerland Ooh, okay. in order to sell on their now stolen gems 
God, poor Switzerland. <laughs> Switzerland gets such a bad rap. Yeah. Sort of thing. Neutrality, neutrality, neutrality. Exactly. Bring it on, bring, bring it, on, it on, bring it on. Bring in your dodgy gems. Yes. Thailand right now is just going, okay, people have died, but the beaches, the beaches are amazing. <laughs> the beaches are lovely. Now, with pockets full of cash from their from their gems, the couple are soon back in Asia with, mm. with a plan to rebuild his clan. They start in Bombay this time. Mm. Barbara Cheryl Smith and Mary Ellen Ether, who had travelled to the east to find enlightenment. Um, they find Charles. He once again tries his old poison trick. Again on a Frenchman, uh, Jean-Luc Solomon. The poison is only supposed to incapacitate him can, so Charles can rob him and then come to his rescue. Yes. Of course, unknown to Charles, Jean-Luc has an underlying medical condition and quickly succumbs to the poison. Ooh. The two new recruits are slightly terrified by this development. This is all meant to be a jolly ruse. We're gonna, he's going he's gonna to feel ill for a bit. He'll nurse back to health and everyone will be very jolly and happy. No one expects death no. at this point. <laughs> Murder is a whole nother level. Charles convinced them it is all a dreadful, dreadful accident. I mean, it was a dreadful accident, mm. but it's never going to happen again. And they go, okay, fine. Because I suppose everyone else he's murdered, he's taken those people off, disposed of them. There we go. In the the folds of his little tiny following, mm. they're not expecting to have a dead body Absolutely. on their hands no. to no. deal with. <laughs> no, indeed not. Indeed Naive not. as they are. In 1976, in New Delhi, Charles and the three women he is with, um, they trick a tour group of french students into accepting them as guides now in on some reports i read this tour group is about 60 strong there are a lot of they're all french students and now being guided around by by child he then drugs them with pills that he pretends are anti-dysentery medicine right so take one of them we're going to the countryside you best take one of these you don't want to get you don't want to get a dodgy tummy in there so take one of these pills you'll be right as rain However, the drugs start to act too quickly. And pretty much the students start dropping unconscious where they stand. Well, like within minutes of taking this drug, they're on the floor. A number of them quickly realise that they have been drugged and they are able to overpower Charles. Mm. The, the, the bigger ones, then the, the drug is not taking effect quite as quickly and they are able to, to overpower Charles and alert the authorities to what has happened to their friends. Charles, Marie, Barbara and Mary are all arrested. During interrogation, Barbara and Mary quickly crack and confess to everything. (laughs) Absolutely everything. Charles is charged with the murder of Solomon um, and all four are sent to uh, Tihar prison outside New Delhi, which is a hellhole. Yeah. Absolute hellhole. And they they left there while they are waiting trial. So the conditions inside this notorious prison are unbearable mm. uh, both barbara and mary attempt suicide during their they're waiting they wait two years for their trial really to happen and yes, they, they yeah. so, things are so bad that they try they try to kill themselves charles however has entered prison with a variety of precious stones discreted about himself okay nice and with the right bribe to the right officer the right warden the right guard he's having a great time yeah. He is living quite, quite comfortably. Eventually, when they get to trial, Charles turns this into a bit of a show. He hires and fires lawyers all over the place. He he even brings in his recently paroled, and for God knows why reason, his still old brother, Andre, who's just been released out of prison in Athens, to sort of give a, like a character witness oh, God. For, for Charles. And going, oh. What the hell are you playing? But Andre's there going, yes, he's my brother, he's very nice. Poor, poor Andre. <laughs> idiot he's so wide-eyed yeah. and he's probably like i made a foolish mistake the lawyers really really the catalogue of death that he has left in his wake yeah. nothing's ringing a bell with you here i'm sure it was all just a misunderstanding andre is an idiot and he deserves to go back to jail put him in jail for all of this business again stupid somehow charles manages just to escape the death penalty which uh, is very much but that is that is in very and he is yeah. sentenced to 12 years in prison, which I thought was a surprisingly light sentence mm. for that. But he's well, they sort of tend years. to go death or nothing. <laughs> well, this is, this is, yeah, potentially true. Uh, Marie Leclerc, she is also found guilty, but this time of drugging the French student. She is later paroled and returned to Canada. Um, she is still she was still claiming her innocence, and she dies at home in April 1984. Now, Charles's systematic bribery of the prison guards at Tihar it reached slightly outrageous levels. He, he li- lives a life of pretty much luxury inside this maximum security, miserable prison. He has a, a TV in his cell. He has food prepared from him individually. He doesn't yes. eat what the rest of the prisons have. He has he has nice food. Um, he befriends the guards and the prisoners. 
he was sort of like walking in and out of jail whenever he fancied he would take a trip into the local village as long as you're back by bedtime <laughs> then it's fine it's not a bother at right. all he revels in his notoriety and he he invites authors and journalists to come to interview him in, in prison any request for someone to come and see him and see how marvelous how what a lovely time he's having look at me he loves it now despite his comfortable surroundings in the prison there is one thing that is causing him major concern he is going is it to the diamond that was stuck <laughs> it's not the diamond that is stuck it's that he's going to be released too soon he knows that the thai mm. authorities are still after him um for the yes. murders he has committed in thailand oh. now his relatively short sentence of 12 years mm. would mean that when he is released the statute of limitations on murder in Thailand, which was 20 years at the time, would yeah. not have elapsed. No. So he would have been extradited straight to Thailand and he would be dead. Yes. There is no doubt that is going to be execution for you. <laughs> he needs a way to extend his stay in India. If he can just creep over that 20-year mark from his crimes in Thailand, he can walk out scot-free. So what's he going to do? In March 1986, on the 10th anniversary of his, his time in prison, he throws a party. A lovely, great big party in, his, in the prison. As you do. For his prisoner friends and his guard friends. Everyone's welcome. No one's questioning No this. one's questioning that. He, he falls back onto one of his old tricks. He drugs all the food and drink at the party with sleeping pills. Right. That he's been able to smuggle in, no doubt with a healthy bribe of some shiny, shiny things. <laughs> my head is in my hands. I'm, okay, right. Don't go to a party in prison, people. With a, what, what did you think was going to happen at this banquet that he's laid on? Well, he's been so good for 10 years. He's been a model prisoner for 10 right. years. Yes. So why would you suspect now? All because of, a of su- the bloody law, that's why. <laughs> I don't think the, the extradition things had occurred to the wardens and the guards there. Something that in Charles's mind, yeah. very much so, but I don't think they had considered that. Like, I, mean, oh, yeah, I think he... it must have applied to some people, but then, you know, the people who turned up, like, oh, free food. Well, pretty much, free food. I mean, absolutely. I would, you would <laughs> If there was one in prison, I'd go as a visitor and then just, yeah, mop it up. Yeah, great. Oh, there's shrimp. Yeah. Great. Yeah. And they, they go for it. They eat everything in sight. Yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> And when most of the guards and prisoners are fast asleep, dreaming lovely, lovely dreams, he walks out the front door. For God's sake! (laughs) He just walks out the front door. Jesus Christ. But his plan is not to flee. He is not trying to escape the country or anything like that. He purely wants to escape prison. He is caught within three days and sent back to prison. And his prison term is extended for 10 years. So it'd be 22 years. So it'd be 22 yeah. 20, years. 20, 20 years, years, 20 years, 20 years. In jail. Oh. When he, and he is still living his life of comfort and loveliness. So maybe it's a ploy with the gods. Maybe they've maybe. all gone, you know what, I'll knock you out. I'm going to walk out. I have to make it look like this. You guys are all on board with this. Okay, wink, wink, nudge, nudge. Wink, wink, nudge, you, nudge. you had no control over me. Potentially. Potentially oh, so. God. There may so have been some... So he goes back in 10 years? So he goes back in. He goes back in. He's in there for 10 years comfortable lovely surroundings lovely Mm. food being prepared for him all very comfortable knowing that when he is released thailand cannot touch him he is released on the 17th of february and there is nothing the thai Thai authorities can do too much time has passed evidence also has been lost um, and few people remember anything about his crimes by this Mm. point it's a a long distant memory no country particularly wants him indian authorities allow him to return to france a free man in France, Charles cashes in on his pretty outrageous lifestyle. Mm. He charges extortionate fees for interviews, films, book rights. Mm. To his story, one French producer paid $15 million <gasps> for the rights to be able to tell his story. As more and more details of his life are revealed and published in exposés and books, his ability to constantly sort of slither out of trouble earns him the nickname The Serpent. Serpent. Now, had Charles been happy with his retirement um, mm. and his newfound fortune, he would no doubt still be a free man to this day. But the draw to Asia seemed to be too much. Mm. And he returned to Nepal and hits the casinos. There he is recognised by a journalist at the Casino Royale in Kathmandu. Charles does his best to pass himself off as a regular tourist, but the journalist is persistent and was soon able to confirm it was indeed Charles Sabraj he was trailing. The journalist notified the police. And two days later, Charles is arrested for the 1975 murders of Connie Brosnick and Laurent Carey. And he is sentenced to life in prison. 
And there, Charles Sobrage remains to this day. Oh, is he still alive? Still there. Oh, my God. It's a crazy story. The crazy story of the serpent. The serpent. What a story, Nick. Woo-hoo! Thank you for that one. There's an awful lot going on there. There's, it's a really interesting element of that, is this draw to go back to the scenes of the crime. Yeah, also, absolutely. I, I do. I can't help but keep linking it to the eternal kind of return to Daddy or to his home country. I can completely understand that. But wanting to go back, wanting acceptance or just... The ego is it that no, I'm going to be recognised and I'm I'm going to go and do whatever the hell I want mm. in these places. Why would you go back? Are you just that? God knows. Egotistical, narcissistic, mad. Clearly, mad, very mad. much mad. Mental, mentally was. <laughs> oh God, it's he feels like more of a almost like a mafia boss rather than a than a cult leader. I mean, potato, potato, maybe, but that he's trying to run a business or he's trying to get recruits along who are reliant on him and can fund his lifestyle. I suppose it is more of a cult leader, really, isn't it? Yeah, because he's trying to build up those followers wherever he goes. But yeah. obviously, he for, for whatever reason, he, he can't stay in one place, no. which I think probably you need if you're a cult leader. You need to have a base. You need to be well, that's it. relatively stable in this is this is where you're going to control yeah, he's got but he is desperate to run around most of most of asia yeah. um, it would seem from country and country to city to city mm. so that sort of rootlessness seems to be potentially his his downfall in cult terms yes and also at the end of his life where he could have just made money selling his disgusting story and so did he admit in the end, when he was giving these these interviews, did he admit to the murders? He ne- no, never sort of saying, yes, I killed them. He would he would talk about the victims and things that, yes, he knew them, he'd met them, this has happened, that happened, but never yeah. outright saying, yeah, I killed this person. But going as close to and skirting around as, as much as he could without saying, yes, I did it, I killed them all. <laughs> wow. What drives someone to do that? It's a weird one. And I suppose... Was he particularly wealthy in all these areas? Well, I said, he, well, he lived well. He, 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 he certainly lived well. I don't think he was ludicrously... I mean, until the end, when he was getting paid hundreds of thousands yeah. for his story and things, then obviously he became stu- stupidly wealthy. When he was in um, yeah, travelling around Asia and things, I certainly think he was comfortable. I yeah. don't think he was living the life of a king at all or anything like, like that yeah. out there. He was certainly more comfortable and that's than an that. In- intriguing element compared to some of the historic cases we've covered where we say greed the greatest poison of them all it doesn't it doesn't seem like it is no it's more power it seems to be it's not really power though is it is it i don't know but i don't think it's it's, it doesn't seem to be like a need for recognition or anything like that i don't but i don't know if it is leadership control Control, being able to control people and being able to manipulate people well the Um, control was taken away from him as a child that's very true yeah yeah, he didn't have control over his life and then what do you do to have control you break the law and you sort of break all the other imposed control upon Mm. you and then yeah maybe maybe so that and his his ability to prove that he was better than the authorities who were chasing him he was he was smarter than them he was faster than them he Mm. was able to anticipate what they were going to do and he was able to get out of the country he was able to move around yeah and and avoid capture so he was smarter than them he was in control of that situation so shades of ted bundy really isn't it which we must cover we will we will indeed uh, we are control the greatest poison of them all <laughs> not really control is probably a good thing in certain circumstances in, in certain circumstances yeah. not just too much control <laughs> the lust for control the greatest poison of them all <laughs> it's a new one people well uh, what do you think of the great story there from Nick of the serpent do you know it have you seen the films have you watched the TV programs have you listened to the stories about this fascinating character what do you think his motivations were do you think it was about trying to retain control? Do you think it was more mercenary than that or more monetary? Or was he just really horrible to people? Because he had a lot of women who were following him around and he obviously abused them in certain ways. Yes, what do you think drives someone to do such things? And why are we so fascinated with them to the point where they're set free and we go, let's give you lots of money to yes. make you famous? Is that right? Hmm. Are we doing that right well, now? Well, I was going to say, I was just going to say that. Aren't we doing exactly the same thing? We're not, not paying. We'd never well, pay a murderer for their story, I don't think. No, no, we wouldn't do I'd that. I'd like to say I don't think. <laughs> we wouldn't do that. But there is, a, there is absolutely, there is a fascination for these things. Yes, covering which, the story is one which thing. Is, which is why true crime podcast is the biggest yeah. category 
category yeah. out there, said, of which we are very grateful to be a part of. Exactly. We're <laughs> very, very grateful you listen to us. We ain't paying any murderers for their stories. Uh, other people will, and then we'll use that as source material. Precisely. Absolutely fine. Well, tell us what you think in the comments of any of the social media posts that you follow for this episode. Send us a DM. Talk about it amongst your friends over dinner this weekend and on a nice meal. Not, not one that's poisoned. Please don't. Yes. Share cocktail ideas. Share stories, share tales of your favourite true crime episodes and tell them all about The Poisonous Cabinet and the wonderful work that we did covering this case. But most importantly, you must, must mix up a rattlesnake. Absolutely. Yes, surprisingly nice. I am definitely going to try it with less sugar to see if it is a bit more bitey. Mm. I fancy something a bit more bitey. But it is delightfully pleasant as it is. So heartily recommend. And incredibly simple. Yes. Whiskey, sugar, lemon juice, absinthe, if you have it. If you don't, not the end of the world. Uh. An egg white. Simple, simple, simple to make. And tell us what you think of it. Do you think it works? Do you think it's absolutely delightful? Do you think it's missing something? We'd love to hear your thoughts. We'd love to hear about more of the cocktails that you're enjoying. So please keep sending us pictures, suggestions, tag us in your photos on social media, DM us messages by and pictures by all means, but please tag us in the pictures where you're enjoying them because it means we can share your work with the world. And very importantly, please join us on Patreon if you want more episodes every single week and just want to banter with us. Thanks for listening, guys. We have been the people inside the poisoner's cabinet. We will see you next week. And remember, your loved ones are trying to kill you. Bye. ACAST powers the world's best podcasts. Here's a show that we recommend. The Real Housewives is a guilty pleasure for most, but if you're looking to not feel guilty about that pleasure, tune in to Everything Iconic with me, Danny Pellegrino, where I break down all the messy moments and behind-the-scenes antics of Bravo's popular franchise. And on Everything Iconic, I also interview celebrity guests like Kelly Ripa, Kiki Palmer, Drew Barrymore, Cameron Diaz, and more about their guilty pleasures, their past work, and so much more. So if you're pop culture obsessed and find yourself watching way too much reality TV like me, tune in to Everything Iconic with Danny Pellegrino, wherever you listen to podcasts. ACAST helps creators launch, grow, and monetize their podcasts everywhere. ACAST.com.